Hello. Welcome to Lambdaforms Radio, a podcast where I interview musicians and artists about their latest projects. My name is Ian Corey, and I am the songwriter in the band Lambdaforms. I love learning about an artist's process, their intentions, and who they are as people. Today I am joined by Danny and Erica of the pop duo Tallbird. Tallbird released their first full-length record, Lost Pet Poster Template, in September. The album is a sunny mix of both nostalgic and current pop music styles, blending indie rock guitar with horn samples and 90s production techniques. Over the course of our conversation, we talked about how the two of them began working together, their creative process that led to the existence of this record, and their plans for new music in the COVID era. Thank you for listening. I think it went well. Um, Yeah, it was fun for us, I think. It was definitely fun for us, and... uh, we, I heard a little bit of it, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it can be hard to listen to your own voice, I think. I mean, I guess you have a podcast, so you probably <laughs> don't feel that way as strongly. Yeah. I mean, I imagine Erica, you probably feel a bit differently about that too, since you're a singer and you kind of by necessity have to do that. Yeah. It's all still very new though. I've not mm-hmm. been singing for that long. So this all feels new. Uh, well, that that's actually a great segue right into the beginning of things, because I wanted to sort of start at the beginning and get a sense of how both of you started playing music individually and then how you started making music together as a group. Uh, so you said you so only started singing recently. When How recently were we talking? I mean, I've always liked to sing um, ever since I was little. I like I learned how to play piano when I was like eight years old and would always sing along with my piano. And then I started drumming when I was nine and I just always sang along while I was drumming. And then I did that in UV Rays, which was a band that Danny and I used to be in. And now this is the first uh, musical project that I'm just singing. So, mm-hmm. And yeah. so when you were taking piano and were you taking lessons or was it self-taught? What was the situation? Yes, I took piano lessons from like age eight to 16. I think. And then I picked drums instead. And I just focused on that. I'm a drummer myself. So I think you made a good choice, but uh, oh, yeah, was sure. this through school or like private lessons? What was the, the situation? So I did, I mean, I did all of it. <laughs> I did private lessons um, up until college. And then, but like during my whole education and childhood, I was in the middle school band. I was in the elementary school band. I guess we didn't have an elementary school band, but I was in the middle school band and I was in the high school band and I was in the percussion ensemble and I was in the jazz band. Like I did it all. Center snare and marching band. Like I just love music so much. I loved playing it. And then I went to Berklee College of Music and played drums there for a few years. And then I graduated and now I'm just singing. (laughs) What do you think of Berklee? I know a lot of people have differing takes on it, on the experience, but... Oh yeah, for sure. I loved it. I graduated a year early though. I just kind of like went and did it. So I definitely missed out on some of like the Berkeley experience, but uh, I don't know. I kind of just related to like Hogwarts, like all my classes had classes had like crazy names, like you're training three. And like, I would have like my homework would just be pages and pages of staff paper and stuff. So I, I just thought it, I knew it, that was like a a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I just, I had fun. And are you from the Northeast as well? Like what was your impression of like moving to Boston? Oh, I'm from like a suburb that's like 45 minutes south of Boston. So Uh that was like, that to me was like very cool. Like I felt very cool living in the city, but it was, it was already my city. And so then how the two of you link up and then we can talk about Danny's history as well. So we linked up because it's a long story, but I guess short story version is that we started playing in New York together in a band called UV Rays mm-hmm. and we met through mutual friends. And then the two of us just kind of had a lull in our career where we both just like saw ourselves with a lot of time and um we just kind of it just kind of worked out for us to work together and then it just it just the chemistry was good and 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 it's just been very nice ever since but yeah we've been playing music together for about 
almost six years now, five and a half years total. I mean, I've known you that long, Danny. Mm-hmm. It's a long time. Yeah, it is a long time. <laughs> I, I remember that first show with TV Rays very fondly. But yeah, we, we basically didn't know each other at all until we were in a band together. Mm-hmm. Like it was a, an entirely musical relationship at first that, you know, it quickly turned into being friends as well. Yeah, it was, it was you know, two or three years of, of just doing UV rays together. And then, like Erica said, you know, we, we had all this time and, and we were the two members of UV rays who most like kind of, uh, you know, pop music or catchy songs or, or catchy hooks or whatever. And uh, found uh, Tallbird to be like a good outlet for that kind of thing. So that was kind of the goal going in was to make it focused on like, it was a pop project from the beginning. Yeah, I, I think it was more of a pop project even at the beginning than it has turned into now. I think at the time, I was really interested in just trying to produce stuff that sounded like the music you know that I was hearing on Spotify playlists or whatever, just as like a fun experiment, not as like a, you know, oh, let's get tons of Spotify plays or whatever. And, you know, at first was was just writing and producing stuff and working with a bunch of different singers. And Erica came and recorded some of those songs. And those were the ones we ended up liking best. And so we kept working together. But it has since then, I, I think, changed a lot sonically uh, and has become a lot more collaborative, obviously. But uh, you know, I don't think it ever really lost the goal of like writing catchy hooks. Uh, it's just not about making like normal sounding pop music at all anymore. I think it's more about finding, you know, creative or, or original sounds to mesh into this like catchy pop song system. Right. And so just so that we have a bit more context for where both of you are coming from in terms of musical influences and all that how about we can we get your backstory as well how you first started playing music for sure yeah i was in bands starting when i was like 11 years old just with you know friends and and family members and all that and you know started playing guitar at an early age and in these bands that i was in i eventually became like the the producer or like the recording person just kind of by default, like no one else was that interested in getting into it. And I got like a little digital four track when I was probably like 13 or 14 and got really into just like layering stuff and, you know, trying out different arrangements of things and all that. And so then that kind of carried through, you know, I was in a bunch of bands in college and did the recording for them as well. And I don't know, at some point along the way, I think realized that the the production side of things is like the part that I like best. Like I like helping develop songs that I didn't necessarily write, but that I can help like shape the final product of that, that kind of stuff I really enjoy. So that's, that's mostly where I'm coming from. And so you said that when you first started working on Tallbird as a product, uh, a project, not a product, sorry, don't, I don't mean to <laughs> diminish you guys. Um, <laughs> But you said you were kind of trying to write music that sounded like music you were hearing on Spotify playlists. Is like there a specific playlist or like a specific thing that was catching your ear that you were aiming for? Like what made you decide to pick up that as a, a project? Yeah, I not not even like a specific sound. I don't know. I, I think it was, I'm trying to like put myself back in that mindset. I, I think it was more just like, it's a kind of music that I've always really enjoyed and that the people I have been in bands with haven't always enjoyed. Um, and so I, I just kind of wanted to like explore that, that angle. The, actually the very first iteration of Tall Bird, the, the first songs that Erica recorded with, with me were all like novelty songs about like fictional holidays that that our friends and oh my god i forgot about that yeah (laughs) so like there was always just kind of like a playful like you know this is not a very serious thing element to it and it was just kind of like a creative exercise i think that uh, cool were these like seasonal holidays or like were you doing like sleigh bells and stuff like that (laughs) yeah so (laughs) (laughs) the the whole concept was uh you know the in the calendar year at least in the u.s uh, a lot of the really fun holidays are clustered in the last couple months Mm -hmm. Uh, and each of the last few months of the year has you know a main holiday that's associated with it and like the the whole color palette and decorations of that month are like so associated with this one holiday 
you know, like Halloween or Thanksgiving or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so our idea was, what if we did that for every other month of the year? So they're not just all clustered at the end. So every single month now has a holiday on its last day uh, that's somehow themed around the month. And uh, the the first year we tried it, we we had some parties for some of them. It was a, yeah. it was a fun little experiment. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, you were releasing those songs too, or was it just like purely for fun purely for experimentation yeah it was it was purely for fun we ended up releasing one of them uh on like the very first ep that we put out and and it was like the song that was least about its holiday so it you know the novelty element wasn't really there in the final product sure that was the idea going in uh and so when did you start when did the two of you start writing for this full length uh because i feel like one of the interesting things about pop music these days is it's not too tied down to the album format anymore as like its main way of releasing songs. So when did you realize that you were writing a record? Why a record in 2020? And yeah, what were the early stages of uh, of this of this album? I, I mean, I can take part of that. I it was basically for me at least just like a a life goal to put out a full length. Like I had just never done it before in any of the you know tons of musical projects that I've been involved in, and so. It was just like, you know, I guess an opportunity to uh, to just try that and see what the process of making a full length album is like. And uh, yeah, that was that was the big thing. I don't, I don't think we went into it with like a central concept or anything. It was just like we have a bunch of partially written songs. Let's let's just try and make a full length album. Yeah. And I was in the same headspace, too. I was just excited that we had um, enough material that we thought was good enough to all put together in one cool little package and uh i also had never done a full length album before in all the years i've been playing music and uh i don't know i was also just like i wanted to prove to myself that i could do like a full length album singing because that was something i never imagined i would be doing since i you know was playing drums for so long that just became my identity but um, it just felt really cool and really brave to like put this out in, in, in like in an instrument that I'm not trained on. And that's that was a big part of it for me. It just felt like it just felt like an, an exciting little chapter that I have dived into. And so you mentioned that the process has gotten more democratic and more collaborative over time. Uh, so in the early stages, what was the writing process for the material and how has it become more collaborative since then. Yeah, I mean, in the early days, I just sort of wrote everything, and that was partially because it wasn't the the whole project wasn't immediately like tied to one particular singer. It was a bunch of collaborations. So this is lyrics as well as music. Then? Yeah, but then since then, for the uh, EP that we put out in 2018 and uh, this new album, um, I'll still write like the the structure of the song generally, and, but then there's more. There's a lot more like back and forth in terms of both the lyrics and the like, I don't know, the approach to the singing. The like, yeah, the attitude, yeah. Where where I'll have a lot of blanks where I'm just like, I don't really know w- what I'm picturing here. Uh, and Erica can kind of come in and, and like try a bunch of things and explore different ways of uh, of interpreting the song that are you know way better than anything I would have come up with. Yeah, I think that part's very fun for me also because I don't have to have the pressure on me for like forming a complete song because I'm not an incredible songwriter like from beginning to end, but being able to embody this character that exists inside of a song that I didn't fully write and like trying to tell that story has been really fun for me too. I I feel like I'm a very um empathic person so i like to pretend like i know what these songs are about and sing them from either my perspective or danny's perspective or like you know whoever whoever's the character in the story for me but that's been that's been really really fun did you have like experience like acting because i feel like that's a very actorly approach to performing no no i'm not no (laughs) (laughs) i'm not like talented in that way whatsoever i i just like really wear my emotions on my sleeve so it's just like i I, it's just fun for me to like be able to get into a different like emotion Mm -hmm. well we we did do that uh halloween uh paramore cover show like uh, two years ago where you acted as Haley williams the whole time so (laughs) i think i did a very good job as acting as her 
Yeah, it was very convincing. <laughs> and so, Danny, were you then acting as the band members that got kicked out or the music industry guys that replaced them? Mm-hmm. Great question. <laughs> <laughs> I think you played both throughout the set. I did. I was like trading off every song. <laughs> Not changing clothes or anything, just changing my like affect, you know, yeah. so you can tell if I was a, a plant or not. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, you mentioned that early on, you, Danny, you were writing for a variety of different singers before the two of you kind of locked in as this version of, of Tallbird. Since it became the two of you, have you started to change the way that you wrote music to better fit Erica's voice and sensibilities? Like, was that something that you shifted in over time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in in like every way, in the writing and also in the production, I think both of us over the course of recording the first EP uh, learned a lot about, you know, like the what what ranges of, of Erica's voice like sound best for certain kinds of songs or like we we for the first EP, we were really into like uh, sort of dream pop-ish, like very, very light singing and like where it's super breathy and and uh, very quiet. And so we like kind of built the songs around the idea of all having that style of singing on them. And then for this latest album, we expanded that palette a bunch more, you know, particularly after that uh, that Paramore cover show where uh, Erica did a lot more, you know, belting and and not singing in a hushed voice. Um, so, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of, of interplay there where like, as she gets more comfortable as a vocalist, I get more comfortable figuring out like, okay, how do I structure a song around the way that she is singing this song uh, right now? And along those same lines, were there directions that you wanted to take your singing in when it came time to do the record that like, were there things that you wanted to try that you didn't have the space to do on the first EP, for example? Yeah, definitely. I, I listen to a lot of like sad girl rock. It's like my favorite genre, like Phoebe Bridgers and you know, all of those gals. Mm-hmm. So like, I like singing like in my lower register. That's where like I spend most of my time singing. Uh, so I think that like uh, songs like You Don't Get a Say, for example, I get to like really yell and like be emotional. I think that was kind of a collaborative idea because we recorded we recorded each song in different styles of singing. And then we just mm. like we decided which one sounded the best. And like Danny became very, very good at giving me direction in the booth. And sometimes I, I, I still listen back and think like, oh yeah, I could not have sang the song without going up into like my really high, like breathy voice. It just would not have worked in my belty voice. Yeah, see, I don't know any of the proper terms for this stuff. <laughs> I'm not, um, I should take singing lessons, but yeah, yeah. It, it's been very, it's been very fun and it's been cool to, to be able to showcase like different styles of singing. And do you feel like your experience having played other instruments and having studied pretty seriously helped you be more adaptable in that way or helped inform your approach to uh, to these particular songs? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, uh, I had to do a lot of like ear training and um, like repeating melodies in college. Uh, for my professors via my voice, even even though I wasn't a vocal student, like everyone had to do that. So I did get pretty confident in like finding like, you know, you know, being able to do like certain jumps to different notes and like knowing that I'm going to nail it and being able to feel it. So like, yeah, I, I am pretty confident that I can sing on key, but I definitely, I don't remember where I was going with that. <laughs> I think, I think you're also uh, like better at, picking up on uh, like the rhythms of, of different phrases, like very yeah. quickly than yeah. most other vocalists that I have recorded. Uh, well, and thank I, you for saying that. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that has to do with your, your drumming background also, and just your ability to like pick up on rhythms really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like phrasing is so much the name of the game when it comes to pop vocal melodies, especially because I, I found that like listeners of pop music and I include myself in that. I'm sure that the two of you have had similar experiences. It's like not always the like technically best singers that 
sell songs the best way, you know, like if Mariah Carey sang on literally every pop song that wouldn't make every pop song better. Like sometimes you want people that have like a sharper attack to their vocals or like have this like breathy tail offs or all that sort of stuff that is like rhythmic phrasing rather than like technical operatic singing excellence, you know? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's honestly where I was trying to go with my original thought because I just, I mean, like when I was in Berkeley, all of my best friends to this day still are now absolute professional vocalists, like just incredible singers. And so um, just like listening to other people whose voices were not at their level, who are still like, who I still think are incredible vocalists made me feel like, oh, like no one, no one really cares if I, if I don't sound like perfect. Like mm -hmm. they just care about what I'm saying. Um, and that kind of gave me the confidence to, to just like go for it. And so when you're talking about the music that you were responding to well, and like the pop music that the two of you were interested in writing, what were your, some of your touchstones influence wise? Well, we always, I think our first and foremost is always with these. I, yeah, I just think that like her range is similar to mine. And I think the way she says words is very, are very interesting. A lot of the time she like says them strangely. I don't know. I just, I've always admired her. And then I got really into the band. Well, actually, I mean, I, I've always been into Paramore, but like, I feel like the newer album, like Haley's vocal deliveries on that are just so fun and playful. And I, I really did try to be fun and playful when I was recording vocals. Yeah, I mean, I I have gone through phases of just like listening to a ton of of top forty pop. So I'm I'm trying to even think of like specific like pop influences. I I you know we've ended up in this place now where the music is like somewhere between always or like that that kind of you know bright sunny indie rock stuff, and then also mixing in a ton of like chopped up samples and and you know random weird sounds which is more inspired by like 90s uh like hip-hop production stuff like mad lib or uh early wu-tang stuff uh or like the avalanches mm -hmm. that kind of uh of sound is definitely the big influence on the the production side right now yeah i was gonna say that one of the things i thought was interesting about the production style is that it definitely feels like summer 1998 in some respects amazing like, that's what we're going for um but then also like the way that the vocals are chopped up or flipped also feels very present like i feel like the the vocal chop is like so much of a, a like 2010s aesthetic in so many like especially because of like edm building entire songs out of vocal chops and stuff like that so mm -hmm. I, I thought that was kind of an interesting bridge between the past and the present in the production style Totally. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, what I, what I love about sampling is just like when you uh, take a pre-existing little snippet of music and totally rearrange it and just chop it up so it's unrecognizable from what it was, even if you're assembling it into a melody that you've already written. Uh, so like I'll, I do a lot of like horn sampling, like, mm -hmm. uh, like brass band sampling. And often I'll have a, a melody that already exists in the song that I want to like accent with some horn samples. But in the process of chopping up whatever sample I have and reconstructing it in the shape of this melody, there'll be little like notes that some other instrument hit in the background that kind of poke through. And you have these like emergent melodies that can totally change like what you hear as the melody of the song. And I find that stuff like really exciting. Like it's, it's, right. you can get inspiration from you know this thing that that was just is is so chopped up it looks nothing like it originally was but your brain still hears it as having interesting cool melodies did that ever push like those sort of like new elements being added into the production ever push you to sing the song in a different way as the track would be built yeah definitely i think so i think that the more like the fuller the song got the more confident i got in uh, the song and my voice in it. Also, at, you know, by the time we recorded the final takes, I had, you know, practiced so much and listened to the, the mixes so much that my voice just, it felt like it was one of the instruments at that point. Like, 
Mm. I remember singing along on the final take and being like, am I hearing my voice or am I hearing like the last take of me singing? Cause it just like, it fit in so well at that point. Um, and that to me was super exciting to hear. And that's when I started being like, okay, this, this is really cool. Like it's, it's, it, this is music that is like me and Danny and that that's really cool. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we had a lot of back and forth throughout that recording process in terms of vocals and production, like, mm-hmm. like Erica alluded to, you know, the, the first tracks that she recorded over were a lot more minimal. And then once I had scratch vocal takes, uh, I could kind of like build the song around them a lot more and then that would change her vocal approach and then I'd do another round and and so on and so forth. Uh, so it's a fun process. And so how many of these songs were written as like sounds that you wanted to play around with first versus distinct chords and melodies that you wanted to then arrange? I think it's on this album, it's probably about half and half, maybe slightly more like songs that were then arranged but definitely some of them started from samples and started from just like chopping up a random sound and then finding a chord progression that would work underneath that random sound and then constructing the song from there and so you mentioned an interest in like sampling brass instruments and and horns like what other sources were you interested in drawing from and was that also a democratic process like were the two of you sharing things or like things that you wanted to incorporate into the mix of the record in any way? I remember listening to to like a certain, I don't remember, I think it was like an Ariana Grande song and like one of the drops just gave me such butterflies in that song and I just remember sending it to Danny and being like, we need a moment like that in this album. And so I think that like we we did talk a lot about like what we wanted to see happen in terms of um, like drops and like samples and stuff. But I think Danny, Danny really took the lead on that mostly. Yeah, I when when we did the EP two years ago, all of the samples on that one were from public domain recordings, uh, which was just kind of like a fun constraint on on it. And a lot of those are these old timey brass bands. Mm-hmm. And so like that became part of the sonic palette, I think. But for this one, a lot of the sounds come from um, Splice. I don't know if you are familiar, but it's like- I'm not, I'm not. What's the deal with that? It's, uh, so they're a website that um, is, was originally just a, a collaboration tool for producers. So it's a way to like sync your projects among several producers and like pass it back and forth easily. But they- uh, since then have turned into a sampling like subscription thing where you, you it's like $5 a month or whatever, and you get access to all of these samples um, without legal restrictions. And it, there's a huge variety of samples that they have there. And so like the, I think the, the horn samples, you know, we decided pretty early on were part of the Talbird palette, but then there's a ton of other like, random voices singing in different languages and like, you know, like percussion from all over the world and, and stuff like that. You know, I, it was, I think we, we wanted every song to have like a slightly different combination of sounds and like a slightly different palette. Yes. Yeah. I, I found myself kind of trying to pin the record down over the course of the runtime and always like some new thing would pop up. Like like at part of the reason I say it sounds like the like nineties summer music is because of the horns. And I was curious if either of you had gone through like a ska phase or something like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, yeah. I played guitar in, in a ska band in high school. What was your terrible punny band name? Oh, it was really bad. It, we were paper street soap company, which like already existed as a band. I think <laughs> it was so fun. I, I remember going to a lot of real big fish so- shows and doing a lot of crowd surfing. I, I loved Scott for a while. I was really into it. <laughs> I'm glad that my detective skills <laughs> led me to the right place. That's so they did. <laughs> uh, also some trip hop. I noticed there's the, uh, the slower track in the middle, uh, know you mm-hmm. gave me like big trip hop vibes. Yeah. Totally. Uh, so you mentioned Mad Lib and Wu-Tang and whatnot. Were you also interested in like the Bristol kind of sound as well? Yeah. You know, I haven't dived that far into it. I mean, like I, I love like the big massive attack album, you know, mm-hmm. but, but, uh, that, that was more, I think that song was a little closer to the sound of our earlier EP. And 
we, I think, kind of arrived at a trip hoppy sound without being super directly influenced by trip hop. It was just like we knew we wanted these breathy, kind of dreamy sing like vocals. Uh, and we also wanted the choppy, like hip hop production stuff. And so the combination of those things turns out to be trip hop, basically. Yep. <laughs> so we accidentally arrived there. Reverse engineered trip hop. That's great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's nice. There's a lot of guitar on the record, which I feel like is a somewhat of a bold choice for like a pop record. If it's like a conventional, like top 40 pop record, but it sounds like you were interested in having a unique, you know, sort of indie rock flavor to it. Did the, was there more guitar added over time? How much of the guitar was like a, a factor in these songs from the get go? I, I think they, most of them started pretty guitar heavy. Um, mm -hmm. Like basically all of the ones that didn't uh, start with a sample were originally written with just like a guitar. But, you know, I mean, we we both come from playing in UV rays, like we have this this rock band background. Ultimately, when the when the pandemic is over, we'd really like to have the Tallbird live band start performing. And I think our thought uh, is that the Tallbird live band would sound more like a rock band than a mm -hmm. than a pop band. And we'd maybe trade out some of the synths and, and samples that are on the recording for more guitar heavy things. So I think a lot of these songs, we approach the writing of them as more rock songs, more like indie rock songs with catchy choruses, as opposed to like, you know, anything like a top 40 pop song. And so had the two of you performed as Tallbird before all of this went down uh we we had one show we had one show in boston and it was really fun but it was the two of us and um we each had a synth and we each had sample pads and then danny had a guitar and so we were just like i was triggering different things and he was triggering different things and then just like dancing and it was it was really fun um so i think i think that a tall bird live band will be a very fun and successful experience <laughs> once the COVID is over. Right. Yeah. Big once, but I, I feel you there for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned that you sort of feel like you have an interpretive role in terms of the lyrics and that you feel like you may know what the song is about, that it sounds like there may be some discrepancies about what each of you think the songs are about <laughs> <laughs> to some extent. Yes. Um, well, I just, I think that, um, I don't know. I'm very emotional. So like I, anytime I hear anything or like read anything, I put so much thought into, I'm like, Oh my God, what are they thinking about? What are they feeling? Who is this about? Like I try to like dive into either if I'm reading something or if whatever, whoever it is, I've just like try to jump into their psyche. So like, I definitely tried to do that with Danny. And I remember I'd like bring things up to you and be like, is this about this? And you'd be like, no. And <laughs> <laughs> I would just be like, okay, well to me it is. So that's how I'm going to sing it. <laughs> and, you know, usually he ended up being fine with it. Cause it's just like what would naturally, you know, come, come across. We never like thought about it. It wasn't like a sensitive subject. It was just kind of like, you know what, roll with it. If you if you feel passionate about the lyrics coming across this way, then like, cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think either of us is like secretive about what any of the lyrics we write are about. It's just like, I think we, we try to keep them vague enough that they can be applicable to a lot of people's experiences, I guess. Um, yeah, it's been really cool to... Um, have my like friends and family reach out to me after listening to certain songs and be like oh my god is this about like so and so or is this about like something that happened to you years ago and like to me yeah sure but like that's danny didn't write that you know what i mean so i think that like we both wrote it about our own life experiences which allows people to really connect with it which is which is cool i i'll admit that i I sort of, I describe myself as being like second verse deaf. Like when I'm listening to music, I'm such an instrumentalist like at heart that I usually like pick up the lyrics for like the first 30 seconds of a song. And then it's like kind of blank for me. So I will, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll admit that I don't have like a really firm grasp on the lyrics of the record so far. Totally fair. But <laughs> um, I was interested in sort of getting a sense of what they were about from your end, because the first few times I was like, oh, these feel like, 
like pretty like heavy lyrics sometimes like it, it kind of like sounds like you're like a lot of the time singing about like some like like a drug addict in your life or some like unreliable people in your lives. Um, but then this time around, I was like, wait, are they like literally singing about a dog? The answer to both of those things is yes. Yeah, dog. We know some difficult um, dogs. Yeah, we have a couple songs about a couple different dogs uh, for real. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the album is about, I mean, is about people who let you down and is about losing people too soon or is a, is about like kind of focusing inward when it seems dark on you know outside and i don't know i also think that the vibe like danny danny and i like we have we are you know we are we think in a darker way sometimes that's why our music so like our lyrics are a little darker but like we're both such like chill and good vibes people so like the music comes across like really chill and happy and like good vibes but it definitely talks about like experiences that we've had and and then it also is about dogs i uh when when we like put out the album we we made just like an instagram post about uh the about the whole experience and just had a, a one-line throwaway thing in there like a joke about how every song on the album was about a different dog uh <laughs> and a bunch of people have just like cited that since then. Like people <laughs> yeah. have just been like posting about it being like, wow, and every song is about dogs. And I've been like, well, no, not really. That was just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's only like maybe one song. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the title track. <laughs> I, I also was, I think it was not at all that I also thought was about a dog. There's a, there's a dog metaphor dog in that one. In okay. That, yeah. <laughs> You played that metaphor very, very fine. I, I appreciate that. Um, Thank you. One of the things I like, though, even about the darker lyrics, is that it doesn't seem judgy, if that makes sense. Like, it seems like even if there's the song is about someone who is going through a difficult, difficult patch of their life or that you're having some difficulties with, what I like about a lot of the lyrics is that it seems either encouraging or empathetic in the way that you're describing to whatever people are going through was that something that you deliberately set out to do like what what leads you to write songs with that tone in mind yeah that's i mean i'm sorry go i ahead. was gonna say i was just gonna say i think that that like was just our natural reaction i think that's just like as dan as a as a friend danny is very empathetic and and danny is really non-judgmental and I'd like to think of that as like myself in the same way with my friends. So it didn't even, to me, it didn't even seem like we were going for anything. Like that's just how we think and talk. And Yeah, I, I think what comes through in Talbert is like the Venn diagram overlap of our personalities. Mm -hmm. uh, and like we're, the two of us are different in a lot of ways, but we are similar in the way that that Erica just described where like, neither of us is a particularly like angry person. We're, we're both very um, introspective or, or like spend a lot of time in our heads, I guess. And I think that comes through in the music. It's not, it's not like lashing out music. It's more like, well, let's think about this problem and let's, you know, empathize with people, I guess, even, even when they're, you know, a, a drug addicted dog or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the album's about. <laughs> Uh, so I also want to ask about the release strategy a bit because this usually doesn't come up with a lot of the the other bands that I interview. But since you guys are sort of like a a pop act, I'm curious as to like why the singles and why the order that you released them. Because the cool thing is like they're all kind of bunched up in the same part of the record. You know? I know that was that a big conversation we had. Actually, I was <laughs> like really against it at first because my favorite band in the whole world first aid kit did that with their last um full-length release uh rebel heart and it it when the album came out and i heard that it like really bothered me because i was like well i know all of these ones i want to hear the new stuff mm -hmm. but then i realized that i also knew every single word to like all three of those songs every time i listened to the album and like for like those 15 minutes i could just like belt along to the album and i like knew it already and so then I kind of realized that like, that's not necessarily a bad idea. And and honestly, I don't even think we did it on purpose to do it in that order. I think we just like 
we knew what months we were going to release each song. I think Summer Dogs made sense to come out in September. I think Growing Up made sense to come out in August. Like, I, I think it was, it was like a happy, it was a happy coincidence. Yeah. Um, I mean, we also like had finished the entire album, uh, before we started talking about release strategy. And so like we settled on the track listing, you know, months before any of this started coming out. And then once it started coming out, you know, we, we were lucky enough to, uh, be working with our friends who, who run a tiny record label, uh, called Gumdrop Records, who like helped guide us through a lot of that process. And, and honestly, like, helped us just decide on the singles like i think you know we had gotten this track listing down from a much bigger collection of songs and mm-hmm. so at least speaking for myself like i like every song on the album you know roughly equally and uh none of them felt like the clear single to me um so we were kind of just like asking the people around us like what what should the singles be and also i feel like we thought not at all it was the, uh, one of the obvious singles but we had already released that um, previously as a, just as like a one-off Tallbird release, uh, like the summer before. So um, we were like, okay, well, we can't just put out like a slightly different version of the song that everyone already knows. <laughs> like, right, that right. doesn't count. So yeah, we kind of had to like, you know, back burner that one and then come up with other ones. But like growing up has always been my favorite. I think that song is so cool. So I was, I always wanted it to be a single. And then when all of our friends and like the PR people agreed with us, I was like, cool. Like that just makes sense to me. I just feel like it showcases Danny's production in such a cool and unique way where that the other songs, they, they do, but not in the same way. So you mentioned that there were a, a, a lot of other songs that did not make it onto the record. Uh, was that process of whittling it down about quality or stylistic fit like what were the factors that you were taking into consideration when you were putting the track list together it's you know it's a lot of things i think we i i tend to like to work in environments where it's like you you just generate a ton of material and then the moment something isn't quite working you just set it aside uh so i i i haven't done a a full length before this but i've like been involved in a bunch of EPs and usually those will start with like, you know, 10 songs that get whittled down to like four songs or whatever. And so for this one, we started with probably like 20-ish songs that we were considering uh, doing. And then some of them we recorded demo vocals for and started fleshing them out. And then they just like weren't quite clicking. And then others we, you know, I we spent a while like listening to different possible versions of, of the track list for the album. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then anything that like wasn't fitting or wasn't flowing, we would just be like, you know what, we don't need this right now. But I, I, you know, two years ago, uh, early 2018, I left my full-time job and started freelancing and uh, had all this extra time. And that was like sort of the first time I was like really getting invested in in songwriting in my life. And uh, so I set a goal of like just write rough drafts of a hundred different songs over the course of this year. Uh, you know, without any regard for for quality control, right? Like try and override the quality control filter in my brain and just go for quantity. And so a lot of those songs are terrible, but uh, it does mean we have this huge collection of at least parts of songs that we can kind of pull from when we're, you know, putting together an album. Uh, yeah, Not At All started off as a different song, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And yeah, and then we kind of pieced it together with a song from the past. Yep. And a lot of like the bridges were originally like the choruses of different songs or, mm-hmm. or whatever. You mentioned that you also tried out varieties of different vocal styles or vocal timbres on each song. Were there ever songs that the two of you had very split feelings about what the right path forward was? I mean, I wish I could say yes, so that it would like seem like we're like dramatic, but truly <laughs> from my perspective, no, not at all. Like I don't know. I think we were both just so open and honest with each other that like if something didn't sound good, like Danny would be like, that doesn't sound right. And I'd be like, yeah, you're right. It doesn't like, I'll, let's try it this way. And, and then be like, okay, yeah, that sounds perfect. And so like it, I, at, because I'm not like a trained professional vocalist, I have no ego. Like I don't, like you can tell me that it sounds awful and I'll be like, yeah, you're probably right. Like teach me how to do it better. I don't know. So yeah, I, there was no like, there was no like, you know, any, there was no arguments at all during this whole 
partnership. I don't think we've ever had an argument once. I think, I think you're right about that. But I think also it's, it's the, you know, having lots of material and being willing to get rid of stuff when it's not working. Like, I think if we were to seriously disagree about a song, we would probably just just shelve it. Yeah. And, yeah. and go with the songs that we both like. And so one other interesting thing about this track list is that it has a sort of mirror effect at the very beginning and end. The Like a lot of the samples from the first track come back in the last track and it the chorus comes back as a bridge. How did that sort of connected relationship to the opening and closing tracks come about? Yeah, that was actually an example of... Um of this like reclaiming old parts of songs that we weren't using that last track i so so the first track don't push it was i think like the last song that we added to the album it was one of the yeah, last ones it was. Um, and we'd had it for a while but we we just weren't planning on putting it on the album and then uh the last song uh was one of the most recent songs that we wrote for the album and in the process of writing it like I, I kind of knew the whole time, like, this really feels like an album closer. I want this to be a longer song. Maybe I can repurpose a part of a different song to, like, extend this song a little bit and, like, add a new section to it or whatever. And so we threw in the uh, the Don't Push It chorus into that song. And then I, I, I'm i a really big fan of... Uh, Jeff Rosenstock and and Bomb the Music Industry, if you're familiar. And he, at least on his early albums, did a lot of this, like, you know, bringing back part of the first song at the very end and making the whole thing feel really complete and and full circle. And so, and I don't even remember what the opening track of the album was before we added Don't Push It. Uh, I think it might've started with Battery. Uh, yeah, I think it did. Drafts. Battery into Not At All or something like that. Yeah, but then once we threw in Don't Push It, it... I think it it felt like it clicked a little bit more like it had that song has a little bit more of the the vibe of the rest of the album I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think it just it works as an opener cuz it's like it's a very it's I think uh like battery for example it just like it starts off strong and comes out hot. Um but don't push it just like it you can settle into it, you know what I mean? And and I like that you can settle into the album and then you get to like settle out of the album and I don't know. I also think that we have like a lot of um, people that we look up to have done that. I mean, Lord did that with her album. Billy did that with her album. There's a lot of people who do that. And it just, and it, and if, if you can make it work, I feel like it's a really special moment. Yeah. I, I will say I was worried uh, after we, you know, had like a full draft of the album. I did show it to a bunch of people and say like, is this cheesy? Like, is it, is it too much to have like a Broadway reprise of the song at the end? <laughs> and most people were like, no, it's a nice moment. Like you can keep it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. First time around, I didn't catch it actually. Uh, nice. That's good. You, know, you experience, you know, 40 minutes of music and you can forget some of the details along the way. But then once the second time it was like, oh, what a nice surprise. <laughs> like this loops back around. Uh, it makes it feel like it, it sort of justifies the albumness of it in some ways it's like a succinct like this is a statement that's like contained within itself cool thank you so what's the next step i know obviously live shows are out of the question for the foreseeable future but are you working on other recorded music are you what's what where do you see yourself going in the near future yeah we're um right now we are working with our friends and um trying to create some of the songs from this album into different genres as like a fun uh, activity. <laughs> so like uh, one a while ago on Bandcamp, we put out like a pop punk version of Battery, which was really fun because we're also, you know, pop punk nerds. So that was fun. So I think we're going to try to do more of those just, just for funsies. And then, um, you know, we are passing some other songs back and forth to each other as we speak. So there's hopes for a a new album coming out in a bit. And so do you feel like there's more, this is an interesting question because I feel like usually the cycle is like every two years put out an album or like album EP album. Like now that live shows are not really an option and it seems like there's no standard operating procedure for musicians anymore. Do you feel like you're just going to, just keep putting stuff out or do you want to pull back and like wait a bit, let things cool off? Like, how do you feel about that? I mean, I think that's always kind of been mine mine and Danny's MO is like content, 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 you know, like who cares? You don't have to go on some like 
count like schedule like album ep album like just if it works as an album like cool it's an album if it doesn't like cool it's an ep at least that's that's how i feel totally yeah i mean i i we you know we are really lucky that we have these uh these uh record label guys who are helping us with a lot of that release related things and like the promotional stuff so you know i definitely since we started working with them have felt a lot less pressure to be super worried about you know like oh what's the next right strategic move and have been much more in this mindset of just like well what do i want to do right now <laughs> like would i like to have the experience of making another album if so great let's do it and so i don't know if that's what we're going to do right now but uh i i think um we're we're both you know in it to to have fun doing creative things at the moment oh yeah well it's been fun for for me as a listener so far and it's also been fun talking to both of you i wanted to say like thanks for coming on and all that um I don't thank know, you so much yeah all thank night, you but i'm excited to see whatever y'all come up with next yeah thank, thank you. you very much thanks for having us i just want to say before we go yeah. uh you uh, you and I performed together at the very last social event that I did before quarantine. That's true. Oh my God. Oh, um, I think the, the one time we've ever performed music together, Yep. Uh, but it was just this one song and I, I have a like video of it on my phone <laughs> where it's just like completely unfathomable to, to like watch this video now where it's just like, yeah, people are like moshing and like, you know, everyone's crowd so close surfing, together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. beers being spilled on each other. Everything about that show feels like it happened in another universe entirely. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, it was good though. That was great. <laughs> I I mean, what, a, what an incredible way to uh, enter quarantine. You know? <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, hopefully we'll exit quarantine soon enough and we'll have a chance yes. to play together live again sometime soon. Um, so yeah. Uh, great talking and I'll, I'll let you both have the rest of your night to yourselves. All awesome. Right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Peace. Bye. Bye. Thank you again for listening. And thank you, Erica and Danny, for joining me. You can find Tallbird's music at tallbird.bandcamp.com. You can find more episodes of the podcast on SoundCloud at Laminiforms-Sounds or on the Apple Podcast app. More episodes coming soon. Until next time.